Hello, and welcome back to the Movie Arc, brought to you by the Arc of E Network. My name is Noah, and once again, I am joined by special guest, Mr. Sunshine Mayfield. Say hello. Hello! Yes, and we are back to, uh, for part two of our top 20 I believe it's part two. Part two, yes. Part two. We can go with that. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but a glimpse behind the scenes, of course, we were, are recording these in advance, and we also split these up, so I'm interested to see if, you know, maybe all of a sudden a movie that came out in the last, like, two weeks pops up on your top ten all of a sudden, or if something got reshuffled. We'll see what happens. But uh, f- hopefully you joined us for the previous episode. If you're jumping in here, I don't really know why you did that, but uh, nevertheless, we will go recap. Back. Uh, go back yeah, to the other episode. Yeah, go back. It was fantastic. I mean, you're, you missed a great one. But uh, we will recap right now our individual top uh, 20 through 11s, uh, and and as the guest, I will let you go first, sir. Just, uh, number just run 20. straight through them. Yeah, 20 from 2010, Animal Kingdom, 19, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. Number 18, Hereditary. Number 17, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Number 16, Call Me By Your Name. 15, The Shape of Water. 14, Midsommar. Midsummer. Uh, 13, The Neon Demon. <laughs> 12, The Handmaiden. 11, Toy Story 3. Okay. I, I That's thoroughly right. I'm stopping that. because we're, we're, you know, we're doing no, the other No, that, that makes perfect sense. This okay. episode. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> I, and I'm remembering now, because I haven't listened back to that episode yet, uh, part one, that we, we didn't have a ton of crossover. Uh, here we go. My top uh, 20 through 11. At 20, Inherent Vice. 19, Only God Forgives. At 18, into the Spider-Verse. That was crossover, excuse me. Uh, number 17, I had Tree of Life. Number 16, OJ Made in America. At the 15 slot, I had Green Room. Uh, Her was 14. 13 was Under the Skin. 12, The Handmaiden. A little bit more crossover there. And my number 11 was the very new and very fantastic uh, The Souvenir from this year. Uh, yeah, Which I still haven't watched. Fair enough. I don't know if anybody that <laughs> I've sorry. recommended this movie to has actually watched it. And I I mean, I don't blame you, but it's, my, it's still my favorite. I saw something recently that jumped up pretty close to it, but it did not eclipse it. So, uh, yeah. So, do you want to... Uh, we're, we're back up to date. Do you want to kick things off with your uh, number 10? Yeah, I can you? do that. That's okay. a thing I can do. Well, do it. All right, Noah. Do it, man. <laughs> This was a movie that came out in 2013. Okay. It's about a 20-something supervising staff member of a residential treatment facility navigating the troubled waters of the world alongside her co-worker and longtime boyfriend. Okay, well, this is a perfect uh, transition point from the souvenir. Uh, this is a movie that you've told me to watch for a while now, and, and I, I still haven't seen it. It's, it's short-term, 12 have, it is short term twelve, <laughs> and you're so silly to not have seen it. Yeah, um, you've got Brie <laughs> Larson, you know, megastar Brie Larson. Yes. Um, sorry, Marvel fanboys who don't like her. I find her great. Um, John Gallagher Jr., who was in Hush and also in The Newsroom, Ten Cloverfield um, Lane as well, and Ten Cloverfield Lane. That's correct. Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, Rami Malek. People have heard of, uh, and then our boy, 
Sorry. <laughs> that was some of the most elegant shade ever thrown at that man. Continue. <laughs> I have no problems with Rami Malik. I just don't think he should have won for Bohemian Rhapsody. I um, hard-pressed to and, disagree and, with you. And then our boy, who should have several awards... Uh, Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield. Have you seen? Oh. Sorry, side note. Uh, in the intervening weeks between recording these, have you seen the uncut gems trailer? I have not. Oh my god! Do yourself no, a favor. No, that's. I think I have with Lakeith, S- right? Sandler, Lakeith are prominent in the trailer. Uh, as is Bogosian, and then you got you got Kevin Garnett bopping around there. You do see the weekend briefly. You hear the weekend. And uh, yeah, but that that cast apparently is insane, and I cannot wait to see that movie. Yeah, dude, I love me some Lakeith. I've never seen a movie where I haven't liked him. Yes, uh, like so. I was about to mention a movie, but who, who knows? It might pop up on one, either of our list. So we'll we'll move we'll move along, we'll, we'll and I patient. will say that we'll be, yeah, yes, it is it is still this like huge blind spot. Um, that's Destin Daniel Cretton. Is that correct? Yes, that is Destin Daniel Crenton. And he has Just Mercy coming out, I believe, later this year, which looks fantastic. That's Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, and Brie Larson. Uh, oh, love. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the trailer for that yet, but definitely, uh, yeah, I need to I need to catch up with him because I, I, yeah, that's a blast. He's, he's wonderful. Sad he's wonderful. Say. Yes. So, um, yeah, that's my number, my number 10. So, uh, everybody is hearing this post October, but we're recording this uh very Free. very, very yeah. close uh on the cusp of October. I love this time and, of the year. And we may or may not do a, a special episode devoted to the film that is at my number ten slot. It's Ooh. from twenty fourteen. Uh I'm I I don't have the plot in front of me, so I'm not even gonna make up one, but you keep doing that for your list because I enjoy that. I like guessing them. Uh <laughs> fair. It's directed by Jennifer Kent, if that if that helps. It's the Babadook. Um, I think it's uh for my money <sighs> World's most annoying child oh, um, in, in a movie. It he's up there, but it's all purposeful. Um, oh, it it plays and, for the purpose of the movie and, and yet. it works. <laughs> oh my god, it it works. This movie. Uh this is just this is my kind of horror. The this stuck with me and I didn't rewatch it for a long time I think because it genuinely like got to me and then when I did revisit it it was almost like watching it again for the first time and I was just like right back in it completely overwhelmed shocked at every turn even though I knew the ones that were coming and I definitely noticed a lot of things I didn't get on the first viewing and I noticed scares frankly that I missed the first time around because there is so much subtlety to this, even though it, it has this great slow burn escalation. By the time you get to like the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes of this movie, it is just, oh, it's some of the most intense gripping, just you you feel boxed in by it. Like it's, you know, you're firmly oh, in its grasp. Terrifying. And yes. Uh, but the, the buildup to it and the, the real world stakes and how they, you know, become more and more fantastical as they become more isolated as a as a unit and more locked in this house and the back half of that movie 
is just astounding. But throughout, Essie Davis is delivering what I think is one. I mean, we're gonna do a performance. Uh, she's gonna be top on twenty it. performances. Spoiler alert: she is definitely on my yeah. list. I think this is one of the best screen performances in cinema history, like overall. But if we're definitely talking to the last decade, it's it's up near the like the top. I think she is phenomenal in this. It it transcends any of the trappings of the genre. That's I mean that's part of what I love about it is it is ostensibly a horror movie. It's a that's how it was sold, and I think that's why some people when they got into it were not really prepared for what they got. But it is it as I said the exact kind of horror that I like that is grounded in reality but elevates emotion. It's a lot of what we talked about when we talked about Ari Aster, somebody who may may pop up again. I don't know. So I think I've already uh, talked about him <laughs> yeah, twice. I believe, you, I believe you have. Did Excuse me. Did, have you already hit both of them? In, I have, uh, yes. In your, excuse me. Well, yes. I was totally listening when you recapped. Totally yeah, it sounds listening. like it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. No, I was I was so worried about how I was going to read through mine. Anyways, uh, The Babadook... It's amazing. It's it's now going to be one of those that I save for the back half of Oct- October, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind it's of entered that the... that new pantheon. I think it's a new classic of the genre, and I just I, I love it top to bottom. It gets better every time I watch it. Ooh, a new uh, classics episode could be fun. Yes, that is a definite that we will be doing a, a top ten again. That that's already happened. You guys already listened to it, and again, it was great, right? It's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and hit me with your number nine. That was uh, that was my number ten. That was the Babadook from 2014. You and right. I were literally just talking off mic, and you asked me to name a 2014 movie, and I I said to you, I was like, dude, I couldn't even tell you like what my number one got right there. Year would have been. Yeah. Pay attention. Anyways, hit me with your number nine, please. 2013. At the age of 21, Tim discovers he can travel in time. And change what happens and has happened in his own life. His decisions to make the world a better place by getting a girlfriend turns out not to be as easy as you might think. Um, Alex, are you talking about time? I am talking about time. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Yeah, uh, yeah, about time. It's yeah. about time. It's about time. <laughs> well, and here's the thing here's what kicked me. Still so I haven't I, seen I, it. Hey, just for the record, what, still haven't seen it. When even reading this description of it, like, um, it sells itself even in, on IMDb and in its marketing at the beginning. It's like this nice little rom-com and what a goofy story. This guy wants a girlfriend and so he can time travel to try to make things right. And then you watch it and it is so much more than that. It is, uh, that is such a small aspect of the movie. It plays a whole lot more with, with family and death and loss and um, and raising a family and, and engaging in relationships and it's um it's absolutely beautiful uh, with the performance of Bill Nye as the uh as probably the the shining star throughout um but it's just it's a phenomenal movie man and I've cried every time I watched it like a like a giant secure man um I, I feel like this is tears. one that like i probably still will never get to unless like the next time you're visiting me or i'm visiting you we just sit down and watch it together like uh, uh we can which do I would, that i would totally and be you willing will to do. and you and will just cry record a live commentary like a on baby. my first watch and see what happens yeah no man you gotta you gotta just really immerse yourself into it get lost in it it's also got margot robbie in it and and rachel was, mcadams i did not know that that was an early an early robbie yeah Okay. So, 
You know, it's it's a uh, it's real solid. And so, right. do yourself a favor, watch it. I feel like most people have. A lot of people <laughs> watched it. I feel like most people. <laughs> Maybe not most people, but it's got two hundred and seventy-one thousand ratings on IMDb, which is That's on IMDb people. terms as people have. Yeah, seen if we're it. yeah, if we're aggregating, people have watched for sure. People besides you people have watched. People have it. seen it. That is a fact. Okay. So my number nine, about time. It's a that's one of those ones that definitely falls into like favorite. Might not be the best, but it's definitely a favorite, and it found a little spot in my heart. Nice. Um, I'm I'm pausing for a second. I may keep this in the cast or not. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Veronica's about to walk in the front door. I don't know if she knows I'm recording, so uh, might need to pause for just a second. <laughs> Hi, Veronica. Just had to close the cat out and everything. Okay, so. Back to the matter at hand. Um, Back in the matter at hand. Back to the matter at hand. Yes. Um, that should definitely be a, a bumper. I should record oh. that with yeah. like a bunch of effects on it. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so <laughs> noting the time, it's about 14 minutes in, uh, is where I, we come back into the conversation. So I just need to chop yeah, I'm at, like the I'm at like 1450. Minute. I'm at fourteen fifty as well. Yeah, yeah, we're on. No, it. I'm we're, saying we're for fine. where I need to cut it. Yeah, no, I think we're running solid. Anyways, okay. Oh no, you're gonna hear my recording. You're gonna want to listen to every everything that I said while you were gone. Oh no, I totally. I yeah, we'll see. It'll <laughs> it'll sync up right. Anyways, okay. Back to the list. At the number nine slot for me, mm-hmm. it's another 2014 movie. <laughs> see, you just gotta pay yeah. attention, Noah. Yeah, I. I you want to take a guess on this one? It is, uh, it's from an auteur. Some would argue that it's his best. Um, uh, you were just you were just talking about time. This is um, probably a little more niche. Probably seen by less people. I'd be curious if you pulled up the IMDb ratings for it. Uh, uh, I was going in one direction, but you've already said inherent vice. Definitely an acquired taste, um, kind of auteur. Uh, an acquired. Uh, I don't. Uh, w- the, when was the lobster? When was that? <laughs> was that the 2014 it's, it's or 15? We'll get we'll get to that later. Yeah, it's you're, the Grand I feel like Budap- you're, I'm talking ah, about the, I was so the close. Grand Budapest I, Hotel. I was so close. Yes, uh, from 2014, directed Damn. by Mr. Wes. Anderson. I feel like uh, he's not that acquired of a taste. I feel like people pretty like he's pretty like people like him. Well, I, I say that in as much as I think it's like if you like him, you're on board and pretty much in the bag for every movie that he makes because all of his movies kind of hit these core tenant. Then you maybe like some more than others, but you pretty much like everything across the board. Whereas yeah, I was if you're say, not like, really a fan of him, there's not much room, especially these days, for like crossover appeal, I feel like. Like you're not all of a sudden just going to walk into Isle of Dogs because you saw a trailer for it and you have no, no awareness of Wes, Wes Anderson but or, like, yeah. I think the you know kicker I mean? for me is out of this decade, I mean, I guess the Grand Budapest Hotel had the most critical acclaim. 100%. Uh, but I think the most... Not my the favorite. The most Oscar nominations, but um, I, think it, I think it had a handful. I need to look yeah. back at those Oscars. But, he did fine. Um, Ray finds his first outing as a as a West as an actor. <laughs> yes, ever his first <laughs> performance ever, of course, as we all remember. Uh, as it were, instantly just like fits into this world. It's it's the kind of casting that he does every once in a while. Where initially you're like, 
oh, okay, now this person's going to be, you know, doing the Wes Anderson affect, etc., behaving the way that his characters always kind of do, the particular tone. And how are they going to be able to quit them? Oh, my gosh. Group text with the family. My phone is just buzzing off the charts. I'm sure those Blanchards are just. Oh my god! I'm trying to talk about Ray Fiennes, guys. Jesus, in his debut performance, I want to keep that going. (laughs) That's that's the Um, bit. (laughs) Anytime we talk about Ray Fiennes, whatever movie it is, that's it's his first movie that he's ever done. Okay, so you also got Tony Revolori. You've got a few, you know, regulars. You got Ed Norton sneaking in there. Uh, Brody, who he's worked with several times at this point. I think it's the second Keitel outing. Goldblum's in here. Willem Dafoe's in here. It, every, everybody you love. Everybody you love. Jude Law. Uh, Tilda. Tilda's in here. Good old Tilda. Tom yes, Wilkinson. I love, I love that she's part of the... Yes. And the, the structure of it, it's this like kind of Russian doll type storytelling where we're like flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks. Stories within stories, etc. And you never, you get lost in it, but in a good way. And I think it's, his movies often have like a a somber tone to them overall. They're they're really, they're dark comedies, I guess, if you're going to lump them in with any broad genre. Sure, yeah. But there's always an element of melancholy to pretty much every single movie he's ever made. Pretty sure it's pronounced melancholy. Melancholy? (laughs) Melancholia? Yes, is that going to be on your list? Fuck no. Sorry, the great Karsten Donst. Um, I've yes. seen so many Directed commercials for the uh, How to Become a God in Central Van Florida. Trier? What? I've seen so many commercials for How to Become a God in Central Florida. That literally Florida. Came, just came up on our Ali episode, I believe, of Man. I haven't, I haven't Shout seen out it. To that. Yeah. yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen yeah. it either, but I do I do plan on watching it. Cause Who doesn't like Kirsten Dunst? We love Kirsten Dunst in this household. Yeah. Uh, it's actually one of my girlfriend and I shared favorite actresses like independently and then we both realized like hey wait you love everything she's ever done yeah yeah okay well let's watch all the stuff we haven't seen yeah so, interview yeah. with a vampire I try Manji. Okay. I almost want to give out her social media but I, I actually don't want people to do this if anybody who listens to this actually would do it but uh, I've been trying to convince her to record a Kirsten Dunst filmography podcast with me as our inaugural podcast together as a couple, and yeah, yeah, she's who just, can't she, forget she her in her, that wonderful do 2003 classic of Cana the Prophecy. Of course, where yeah. she lended her fantastic voice talents, yeah. as she did well, in uh, Kiki's Delivery Service as well. That's right. Fair she was enough. Kiki. Oh, makes in, sense. In the American dub. All right, let's 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 pivot. Don't know how we got there. Let's Grand pivot Best back. Hotel. Um, I I think what I was getting at is. All of his movies have an element of melancholy, but this is the one that just it it has such a motor to it, and it's just kind of just gliding effortlessly for so much of the movie that when the reality of like the darker side of the story comes in, it really does kind of hit you like a ton of bricks out of nowhere. And it's very matter of fact, and I, I I'm talking in generalities, but it's. It's probably the most emotionally effective I've ever been by any of his movies, and I and I count myself as a, basically a super fan. But this one hit me on another level. Great theatrical experience. Love all the performances, but Fines is the reason to see this movie, even if you're on the fence about Wes Anderson and his aesthetic. Like I feel like that performance can carry you through all of this movie, and I think. But it's here's fantastic. here's my question so, with it. Ready? Yeah. Why isn't it pronounced Ralph? 
It's spelled Ralph. How is it not Ralph it says it Fiennes? Say it, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Mm. No, I've, 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 seen, great I've seen Grand Budapest of the 20th once. Century. <laughs> 21st century. I've me. seen Grand Budapest once. I gave it a seven. Um, so I might be wrong. Maybe it deserves the rewatch. But I, 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 think, I think you I, should go back to that one. I know you're not as much of a... Uh, well, Moonrise was definitely a bit uh, Moonrise my favorite. would be your, your go My decade of, of for Wes Anderson, for good old Wes E.A., it was def it was definitely in consideration, but when I looked at his output from this decade, that's the one I had to go with because it's Fair definitely the, it feels like a separate phase of his career that he's kind of moved into, basically post post Tenenbaums, essentially. Um, yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox there. probably would have made my two thousands uh, uh, top yeah. twenty potentially. Life Aquatic, I, we we could go on, but yeah, yeah, that's that's the one that snuck up here. That's my number nine, it's Grand Budapest Hotel from twenty fourteen for Mister Wes Anderson. Fair uh, enough. Okay, your number eight, sir. All right, it's gonna be tough for you. All right, two thousand ten, very vague premise. Let me okay. see if you can get it. <laughs> a Harvard student creates a social network site. <laughs> Wait, that would what? become known. <laughs> As um, Facebook. <laughs> so, do you have a guess? The Facebook movie. Yes, that, that's right. <laughs> you don't get to 500 million friends without a few, making a few enemies. <laughs> um, um, dude, I, I it's love hard to even, It's hard to even jokingly talk shit about that movie because I'm like, you, can, you can't. The second man, you brought it up, I was just like, oh, the social network's so fucking good. It's it so is good. an honorable mention for me. Uh, which I, is I'll fair. Go ahead and like, say that up well, front. And I, th- I think for me, there was um, I just Aaron Sorkin, man. I everything he writes is it just wonderful. Might, and I then think David it might Fincher, hands down be my favorite Sorkin screenplay. Yeah, period. It's definitely up there for sure. It, definitely not my favorite Fincher movie by any means. Uh, well, that's there's so many good ones. You I think. Know? Well, yeah, that's the other thing is like Zodiac. Which is probably, flavor of ice cream do you like the best? Yeah, do you but like Zodiac, Zodiac is my favorite. Yes, Gone Zodiac Girl's pretty favorite. solid. Not on my top twenty. Uh, oh my but, god, I rewatched Gone Gone Girl. Recently, why would you do that? It's terrifying. I get, can because I erase Eraserhead Gone Girl. Those are why did I, the why male, did I watch male, it? Male Basically fear. for consideration for this list yeah, is why well, I rewatched it I to see to if, it, it. if it cracked the top. But 20. he is so talented. Uh, anyways, but, yes, uh, but and, we're not and talking then, about that. But Jesse Eisenberg, perfect. Andrew Garfield, probably the best he's been. Um, my boy think, JT. Yeah, if we can slow down for a second, I I think a hundred percent the best Garfield has ever been. An actor who is sometimes hit or miss for me. But his the the final confrontation I w- I won't even bother doing my terrible like you know version of it, but the showdown basically in the in the so, in the yeah, Facebook offices where he leaves and he punks out JT uh, yes who is who is great in the movie as well and then I feel like you I don't know Eisenberg's one of those guys who I feel like has gotten a tough rap and like Sarah as well and of course it was always a comparison between the two of them but they just got so much criticism and just hyper attention on every aspect of their performances for such a concentrated period of time where it was just like oh he, well, he's doing this and he's doing this and like oh I don't fucking like him I don't like his face like he was they were those type of actors that people just had a visceral reaction to one way or the other and you go back and you watch this and it's just like I don't I don't look at it now as I maybe did then 
as like, holy shit, this is the real deal. This is actually 100% the way Zuckerberg is in real life. This mercenary, like, you know. I'm sure. And and you start, to, you start to realize, I think, the more you watch it, like, it is a performance. I don't know. I think there's a story that they didn't, I don't think they actually met at all prior. I think they had an awkward interaction after the movie had been released. Sure. Um, but I, I that's I guess what I'm saying is I appreciate it that much more so as a performance because he's not basing it off of anything. He's basing it off of a mood and a tone and like how his read on the character, but he's not doing an imitation. Right. Um, and it's great. Man. It's so seamless. For two hours, you you finish it in what feels like thirty minutes. Like it is. Yes. Beautiful. Absolutely Great stuff. Funny. Just yeah. fantastic performances left and right, and a completely stacked cast. And I love some of the supporting uh, players in here, particularly John Getz, who's like basically the main uh, prosecutor for the Winklevi, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, he he basically has all the best lines and like the depositions and stuff. Uh, he's fantastic. Goes all the way yeah. back to uh, Blood Simple with the Coens. Uh, yeah, fantastic pick again for me, honorable mention, but it was right on the cusp. Like it just as easily if we made this list like another week, it might have been in my top ten. Who knows? But uh, yeah, fair enough. Let's move on, on, shall we? Uh, I we might have some crossover, so if you want to table this one, uh, we can totally do that. Uh, this is from 2017, and I will go ahead and spoil the fact that it is the last horror film on my list, which would arguably make it the best horror film of the decade. Yeah, that let's wait. Identify let's it. wait. Yeah, let's we can wait. maybe let's, pause let's, on that let's, one. Let's, let's wait on it. Okay, I think, so. I think, uh, I think I know where you're headed. So and the question is, do we kick it back up. to you for your seven, or do I go ahead and name my seven? Go ahead and name your seven, Noah. Name your okay. seven. Let's talk I a little bit that. more about you. I <laughs> Yes, let's. Please, let's. Um, Don't let okay. me dominate this. Okay, this is the second appearance. I think this is, yes, this is the first second appearance of a director on my list. The film is from 2012, and uh, it was my favorite year. Starring two of the, the greatest actors to ever walk the planet Earth, one of which who is unfortunately not with us anymore. Can you name the movie? Mm. I'm going to go with uh, The Master. You would be 100% correct, sir. Uh, This is the highest ranking, spoiler alert, PTA movie on my list. Phantom Thread did not make the cut. Though I love it, I have not rewatched it nearly as much as I have Inherent Vice and The Master. Uh, To remind you again, Inherent Vice was my number 20. Uh, I was primed for this. This is is post there will be blood. This is like, you know, what's what's he been cooking up? We've heard it's about Scientology, possibly. Maybe it's not actually about Scientology. Tom Cruise is pissed off. They're not friends anymore. What's going on with this? Joaquin's, you know, going like really hardcore into this character. What's, what's with some of the delivery? What's going on in these trailers? What's with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams' energy? So many questions sit down and I watch it properly projected in 70 millimeter and this is one of the best theatrical experiences Whoa. of my life um, just absolutely gorgeous 
from a pure aesthetic point of view, from a pure technical filmmaking like I, I was just, you know, jaw on the floor for pretty much the entirety of the movie. And then there's the performances. The uh, the kind of early centerpiece, uh, I forget what the process they identify it as, um, but the, the essentially the interview segment with Joaquin and Philip Seymour Hoffman is just, it's a masterclass of acting. And you can literally take that scene and then, spoiler alert for you the master. It? It's, a, it's, a, it's the master class? Yes, ah. 100%. I meant the pun. I told you. Um, and then you can ju- you can take that and immediately watch their final scene together. Spoiler alert. I won't say how that final scene ends, but you can immediately jump to their final scene together in the movie. And that it, it's their perfect bookends. It it's 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 a masterclass. Yeah, you already said it. I yeah, terrible joke. Whatever. It's the master. It's from 2012. It's I I love it. I adore it. It's amazing. Uh. Joaquin Phoenix as Freddie Quell, definitely going to be on my performances list. Spoiler alert, he is incredible, and the late, great PSH is just on another planet, man. This is, That's arguably in his, in his like, top three, best of his career. He did some of his best work with PTA, his old buddy. Uh, sad that we're never going to get another one of them together. Uh, so let's move Very along sad. from that. Well, side, side note, after the Emmys happened... Um, I saw a tweet that said there could literally be an award that said that's called uh, best Amy Adams performance, and that she would still lose oh, to God. Isla Fisher. She's <laughs> 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 just like, <laughs> but her performance in The Master made me think of like she could have easily. Uh, did she get nominated for that? I one? believe they were all nominated, and she is yet and to win an Oscar. Yeah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Joaquin as best. PSH as supporting, and I think she got supporting actress as well. Uh, it it should have been Joaquin that year. That is one of the best performances I've ever seen by an actor. Period. He is that person. He is not himself. Uh, can't wait for the Joker. Uh, I have seen it as of when you're listening to this once again, but uh, as of the recording, I have October not. next but week. I, I next am week, right? Yeah, it's it's very close. Very close. I'm excited mm. to see what all of all the right. fuss is about. So. I'm sure we've done an episode on it by now. Go listen to that. Scroll back up in your feed. Uh, that was my number seven. Give me your number seven. My number seven. All right. 2011. Okay. All right. The Oakland A's general manager, oh, Billy Bean, the, okay. successful attempt to assemble okay. a baseball okay. team. It's Moneyball. Let's talk about Moneyball yeah. for a second, Okay. I would love to. Moneyball is a hundred percent the the biggest. I should have rewatched this movie beforehand because I am I am on a roll. I'm like not that I ever was out of love with him, but I am so back in love with Brad Pitt after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Ad Astra this year. Uh, I just I'm totally back on board. I've been re I watched Burn After Reading recently. I've been revisiting some of my favorite supporting performances here and there, and it just occurred to me. I was like. Oh my Moneyball. Moneyball. And in my Moneyball. Yes, I was like I, I loved it when I saw it. I watched it one more time with my dad cuz I was like this is the rare movie that I could show to my dad and he would be totally invested and interested in that also has all of these just like great cinematic pleasures for me. I was like this is a perfect movie. And then I have not revisited it since. I own it on Blu-ray. I've seen it those two times. 
And I was just, I had a panic where I was just like, I should rewatch that before I make my list. And I never got around to it. And I still haven't in this last week. Uh, but conceivably, yeah, Moneyball is is somewhere on this list in another universe. Uh, I love that movie. Yeah. Talk about why you love it, please. Well, let's see. It's written by, do you remember? Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Aaron the West Wing Sorkin. Two in yeah, a row. I think I just said Social Network isn't arguably his best script, but Moneyball. Moneyball I mean, is really oh good. Oh, my God, the, dude. And this is. Incredible writer. Maybe not as good as a director. This um, is I didn't, like tied, I never watched tied for game. the number one slot of, of Brad Pitt performances. And I'm in the midst of trying to suss out what that actually is at this point. Because uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the aforementioned Ad Astra have confused that in my brain. I, I don't know what his best performance is anymore. Well, and then it's weird because it's a baseball movie. But you're talking Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Robin Wright, Chris Pratt. You just you, like th- what is that? That doesn't happen in sports movies, and it does, and it's wonderful. And we just talked about Philip Seymour Hoffman, and the dude's great in this as well. Yes. Um, as the angry manager yes. who wants a better team to play I with. I think it's simultaneously, like, it's Pitt showing a little bit of a different gear, like, you know, kind of gracefully aging. You know, like, this, this is a dad role, essentially, not something you would expect him to play, but you just mm-hmm. buy him as, you know, ex-ball player you 100% buy like the athleticism all that stuff Um, but then I also remember at the time this was really the first you know this was Jonah breaking out of the the Apatow verse and like hey I'm an actor I'm a legit actor look at me yes I can do things and he really popped for a lot of people and I in a way that it was like we were already aware of this we were like in love with them from the second we walked out of Superbad excuse me we were in love with him from the second we saw the Superbad trailer before Hot Fuzz um, at our local multiplex (laughs) that's how like in love we were with that performance and that movie before we even saw it so yeah, yeah, we were already on the Jonah Hill train it was nice to all of a sudden see everybody else taking him a little more seriously and this paves the way for like Stuff like Wolf of Wall Street, which again, when you look back at it, it's like, that is just a balls-to-the-wall three-hour comedy. And like, nobody, did, you know, it has the trappings of it's a Scorsese drama about like, economics and business, you know, all of this stuff. But oh, it's yeah. just, it's a fucking three-hour dark comedy. And he subs perfectly into that where it's like, he, you know, can bring in his comedic shops, but he can also play something that's just like, heightened and crazy and like technically real world and doesn't have the trappings of what you necessarily expect from a Jonah Hill movie. So, and exactly. and now he's a director. I liked mid nineties quite a bit. I'm interested to see what he does. And, uh, in yeah. the Batman. Yes. And that's, that's being negotiated as we're recording this, uh, whether he will appear as the Riddler or possibly the penguin in the Batman against Robert Pattinson directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, Fingers crossed. So, number seven, Moneyball. Okay. Boom. Fantastic pick. I'm going to rewatch it soon, and then I'm going to be like, oh, my God, it should have been my number four or something like that. So, yeah. anyways. Very much. Uh, my number six is also one that ha- has undoubtedly has to be crossover. Uh, so, I think we should, we should just table it. It's from 2016, and it's by mm. uh, one of... Just one of the best. It's weird to call him up and coming. He's been active for a while, but he's just like one of the best filmmakers working right now. Uh, I, I'll, I'll oh, leave it at uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you know, there's that's that's some crossover. Okay, yes. Uh, so I will now. I will go back to you for your six. 
Oh, cause, yeah, because yes. it's we have to. Like, you can't jump to your five. I mean, um, I could, my six. but that yeah, would lose all weird. sense of what's, be what's going on. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, you're going to easily know this one. 2011. And it's about <laughs> a, a mysterious Hollywood stuntman uh, who, uh, who moonlights. Fantastic choice. Moonlights as, a, uh, you can, as a getaway I, driver. I think we, if you listen to part one, I did mention that the only... NWR movie that was going to make my list was uh was only God forgives so of course Drive is an honorable mention for me but please yeah. uh let let's discuss well I first saw this uh when my film professor said hey uh we're studying film noir uh this is a, a neo noir and uh you should go watch it uh right now noir um and so we did uh, we got to do that uh, instead of going to class. And it was, uh, he was right, because, again, marketing at its worst, um, it gets pitched as like a turbo or a need for And what's great is, even in spite of that, it still made a shit ton of money. (laughs) Like, Well, yeah, because people were like, oh, that's not what this is, and it's actually really quite amazing, and the answer is yeah. With a killer soundtrack and just... Just Brian Gosling being his stoic, wonderful self, and it um, the this was definitely it was a vibe for a while. Like I feel like it was in the next like year or two after it came out, you could kind of feel it permeating parts of culture, musically speaking. Some people's videos were starting to take on some of the aesthetics. Pretty much the entire video game series Hotline Miami is basically wouldn't exist without like Drive and David Lynch. Um, so yeah, you, you see it kind of oozing it, like the style that oozes off of this movie starts to invade all sorts of other types of media. And I feel like that's, that's calmed down a little bit, mainly because where, where was the fault? Where was the ripoff of drive? You know what I'm saying? Where was other people trying to ape the early, early eighties, Michael Mann aesthetic, the way that NWR was doing and, like, why did we not get a slew of drive ripoffs? If we did, maybe I just didn't see them. But so, like, yeah, Need for Speed with Aaron Paul came out in 2014. Um, there's got to be some I'm other. guessing, like, maybe The Getaway with, uh, or just Getaway, maybe they dropped the the with Ethan Hawke. Uh, I guess any car-based movie is technically, like, treading kind of in that territory. And... Maybe just, you know, nothing rose to the top in terms of imitators, but I feel like it stands as kind of this weird singular moment that really had, you know, was kind of unprecedented when it happened and hasn't been replicated in the same way, even though you kind of could credit it as kickstarting the kind of 80s nostalgia wave in a big bad way that leads to eventually Stranger Things and kind of what we've been living in the wake of right now and like a lot of 80s properties just being revived and brought back to life but yeah and for me it was just the uh the total subtleness of the entire thing how like very um normalized everything was up until the just absolute brutality that comes midway through and that's that's Um, what i love about it is it has the cool factor like on the surface level that everybody can kind of enjoy about it but the movie you know it has this brooding undercurrent the whole time, and you can feel it there. You can feel the tension there. But when it does start to escalate and the violence starts to happen, that's when I feel like some people bail on this movie because it is 100% with it. You know, 
it is a Nicholas Winding Refn movie, and it's like, I, yeah, I'm still going to get to what you kind of expect from me at this point if you've been following my career. For a lot of people, yeah. this was... Tab someone with a shower the first curtain time ever. rod. Yes. <laughs> that sequence, uh, a standout of his entire filmography, that's amazing. The entire finale with Albert Brooks and the editing in that, another movie that I'm like, mm-hmm. this should have won for editing, uh, sound mixing. Him running over Ron Perlman. Uh, like running Ron Perlman off the Fantastic road and stuff. the uh, and the stuntman mask. J- just um, talking about it, I I, I want to rewatch that too. I need to make a stack yeah, right man. now and crank through what? Moneyball and Drive and a handful of others. But I literally and Drive is the reason that I found Only God Forgives and yes. and uh, Neon Demon and Too Old to Die and, Young and I love all of those things. And so I you know for me I feel like Drive has to be at the top because it led to me just being into. NWR uh, in that yes. way. Uh, and again, honorable mention for me mainly because I was like, there's only a handful of directors that maybe get to take up two slots on here, and I absolutely adore NWR, but I was like, but I can isolate it down to Only God Forgives because I think I identified it in the previous cast as like, that's when I knew that like he was a guy for me because he made a movie that was 100% him and like wasn't trying to appease anybody. And I was like, I'm going to go on this journey with you because you're not trying to come to me necessarily. You're not trying to make movies to please an audience. And I dig that. So, yeah. anyways. All right. Let's make some moves. Let's, let's drive on let's, over to the next, uh, the, your number yeah, five. This Noah. one may be crossover, but you know what? I don't give a shit. It's from 2014. It's directed by Damien Chazelle, and it's called Whiplash. All right, so we can do a lot of this So because I we've got some... We've got some uh, crossovers that are hitting right at where we're at. Perfect. So before we get to your number five for Whiplash, let's talk about my number five because you've already talked about it as, I think, your number seven. Uh, I think um, you're referring to my number eight, which is from Mr. Jordan um, Yes, correct. Jordan and it's called Get Out. Yes. And it's from 2017. Yes, Get Out's my number five. Uh, yeah. Yes, I honestly, there was versions of this list where it was in the number two slot. There were versions of this list where it was in the number nineteen slot. Like it shifted around a little bit, uh, but it it's the best. It's the best horror movie of the last decade, I think, inarguably. Um, just yeah, it's really it's really good. Wh- it's really what an good. experience uh, in the theater. Uh, the the each. Of the three times that I saw it in theaters, they were all great experiences. Uh, as I showed it to more and more people, it was great. And you know what else it has? Um, my boy Lakeith. I was gonna say it has Lakeith Stanfield. It has Daniel Kaluuya uh, delivering one of the best performances I've ever seen in any movie. But of the horror genre, it's instantly iconic in the way that Essie Davis in uh, Babadook is. Uh. The, the, yeah, but it's, even it's that, the arri- Catherine Keener, Bradley Whitford, all of the supporting like, cast, oh. insanely talented, and it's just immediately announced. Boy from Barry, it what's his what's his um, name? Sorry, Stephen Root. Stephen Root. Yeah, I guess he is our boy from Barry now. I, That's I guess right. he's not Milton anymore for for several decades. <laughs> for the last <laughs> two decades, he was well, he's Milton. hanging out in an office. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I yeah, don't know really what number. we can say about it that we haven't already said on many other I mean, podcasts. 420,000 people have rated it on IMDb. You've seen it. Yes. 
You've uh, seen the movie. I th- if you are listening to this movie podcast, you have already seen the movie. Get if out. I'm not, if so. I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, you have you have mentioned a Guillermo del Toro film, correct? I have. Shape of Water was on your list. It this was. is higher, and I think we can agree, and we did agree at the time, that while we understand why Shape of Water won, and I'm not hating on it, you look back even like six months later, and it's like Get Out should have won that Oscar. Like, why? This is a, it is a movie that we said at the time, and I feel like is still 100% relevant, interesting, still still worth watching to find more and more stuff in, and we're going to be talking about it continuously, like, for decades. You will see, this movie will hit shining level horror iconity. Yes, and the then word, you'll also but... start to have the people that are like, no, but really, us. Us is the one, guys. Like, you're crazy. Get out child's play. Us is where it's at. You're going to start to have yeah, that well, debate. And I feel like the same thing's happening right now with Ari Aster. Like, these guys who come out of the gate where you're just like, you are, like, what are you doing to the genre? Can we, can like, we it, start yeah. talking about horror movies as what they are is just incredible films? Yeah. Like, just, like, there are so many shitty comedies. There are so many shitty dramas horror gets a bad rap because you know you know there's so many bad versions of them well that's every genre yeah it really is every and, genre and it's like and, hey and, the reason there's so many bad ones is because there's so many of them being made in the first place because people fucking love the horror genre and it is one of yeah, the man. easiest things to get made in the first place because everybody likes being scared uh get out is phenomenal can't wait to rewatch it in October. Uh, that is definitely on the new classics list. Uh, spoiler so alert: was, it's probably number, number one five. with a fucking bullet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, my number five, your number eight. That is correct, sir. Um, and then you were about to announce for your number five, which is, I believe, my number four. Is it directed by Barry Jenkins? No, that one's my number two. Okay, then maybe we should put further pause on it. <laughs> you want to talk about yeah. Whiplash? No, now? but. Yeah, that would be the one we're talking about now. Oh, we're talking yeah. about... Excuse Whiplash. me. Excuse me. Sorry. Whiplash. Yes. Uh, another another movie that's kind of inseparable from its theatrical experience, unless when I rewatch it, I, uh, I watch it with headphones because the sound design is... You just want to be immersed in it. Masterful. The pace of the editing, the, the level of intensity in these dialogue scenes... I, an absolutely iconic performance from J.K. Simmons, deservedly won the Oscar, and again, Miles Teller, another guy who I was aware of, I was on board with, and then I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm like, this is, I mean, this is the definition of a star-making performance. People, you know, people vaguely familiar with him, they'd seen him in what, like Project X, a few other, like, quote-unquote, high school movies, but one of the things I love about this is it is this transitional, like, he's, he's essentially a college-age kid, he's in New York, it has all the kind of trappings of romanticism of, you know, coming-of-age story, kid in the city, blah, 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 but the second this mentor figure, and you realize, like, what the dynamic and what the movie's really gonna start to explore takes hold of it, it just has this propulsion and this energy that does not let up until the final note of the final performance, and in particular, that last like twenty minute live performance, you know, competition scene is some of the best filmmaking I've I've ever seen. 
it just it instantly I was like this it this movie man <laughs> like oh my god so yeah and you you sir you're you're a drummer so talk to me about your experience with it. oh yeah I uh, immediately after seeing it texted our um, Facebook message or whatever my old band director and I was like just like the old days am I right <laughs> <laughs> he was like I don't think I ever threw a symbol at you even though I wanted to and or I was a like, chair fair response. <laughs> fair response yeah. yeah um but um yeah dude jk simmons is phenomenal in this role and it's just you can't tear your eyes away and i'm wondering where that same intensity so uh, you know i never saw first man i'll i might watch it at some point who knows i'm gonna um, watch it i did this I, has come up i did see la la land i like la la land i like it a, a good bit and i'm I, it doesn't have the intensity or um the emotional impact that I think Whiplash, I'm on the floor for Whiplash, yes. um, and and the commentary that comes after it from the ending. I think a lot of people left that movie with just a lot of different like. Yeah, there's a good? lot. Yeah, is there's a lot bad? of different takes on it, what, and that's like, that's one of the things I've loved fun. about it that's, yeah. as well. Is like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call out my mom, but I remember my mom had a very different reaction to the ending and the kind of overall thesis of the movie than I did. And I, I didn't necessarily sit there and argue with her because I was like, it really is in how you see these characters. It's not, the movie does not come down one way or the other on whether this is good, bad, needed, abusive. Like it's, you know, it's all tangled up and it's kind of left yep, to you to is. figure it out and just kind of how do you feel about it? And I feel like a lot of that was kind of missing from La La Land and I also talked about my issues with the relationship in that movie and how, like, I love their performances individually. I don't necessarily buy them as, like, these great lovers and this great romance that's so tragic that you, you know, that they lose it at the end. So that montage, although it's incredibly great technical filmmaking and great to watch, was kind of emotionally hollow for me because I was like, I'm not that sad that yep. these two don't end up together. I didn't have that level of investment. Correct. You go back to Whiplash as well any other movie the girlfriend shows up in that final scene in the performance but like she she showed up and she decided to come back and watch him play this thing that that doesn't happen in whiplash nope. that that whole thread gets jettisoned at a certain point in the movie and that is really when you're like holy shit he is he's going to go as far as he can like he's going to go off the deep end if that's what it takes to get to this otherworldly place of drumming ability. And the other thing is, you buy it. Like, when you get to that performance, you are like, holy shit, dude. He's the greatest drummer, like, of his generation. Oh, oh my God, this moment that we're all seeing together. Even if you're not, like, even if you know nothing about rhythm or beats or drumming, like, it plays as so compelling and fantastic and gets you just completely amped up to this level and it just crescendos and boom credits that's the other thing i love about it there's no there's no let's stop and think about this afterwards it's just nope and we're ending on the absolute highest of high note we possibly could you make what you will of it what a great movie it's an hour and 45 minutes and because of the uncomfortableness you feel like after seeing it that you've sat through a five-hour marathon oh it is exhausting in the best way possible Um, what a yeah exactly what a great movie so your number five, my number four. That is correct. Whiplash. What's your number four? My sir? number four. 
I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess and maybe this is not crossover, even though I'm kind of like, it has to be, right? It's from 2015. Probably not at this it, point. We already know that we got one more crossover and we've got, I've only got two more answers left. That's true. So. Uh, it's from 2015 and uh, it's the best action movie of the decade and uh, it's one of the best action movies ever made. Uh, it is the fourth in a... I would say long-running franchise, but more like long-spaced-out franchise uh, that has changed acting hands, but not directorial hands, and uh, it's, it's maybe the it's maybe the greatest fourth film in a series ever. I don't know if anybody could name a better one. Is this on your list? Your two thousand <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out in two thousand eight. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that can't be what you're talking is about. Not what I'm talking about. But that is about. the best fourth movie in a franchise. Um, um, I'm gonna just 2015 right fourth that. movie of an action franchise. Yes, clearly not John on your Wick list. Doesn't have John Wick doesn't have four movies. Yeah, not yet. yet. Not yet. All right. Uh, what is it? It's Mad Max Fury Road. Oh yeah, no, that was that was lovely. <laughs> not even on your list. Not even on my Not honorable even mentions. on your top 20 or your honorable mentions. Oh. I like the movie. It's astounding. A lot. It's what... It's, it, it, it is really good. It is pure cinema. That is why I love it this movie. Is, it is like 110% high octane, <laughs> just in your face filmmaking yeah. with a capital I really liked F. it. It is... I really liked it. It is enthralling. It is the epitome. You and I were talking off mic before we started this that you recently you just threw on three hundred in the background, and I was like, "Yeah, I never go back to that one because at home it's just not the same experience, kind of thing." That's that's the way that's the way you might be inclined to feel about Fury Road until you actually sit down and watch it on Blu-ray, and then you're right back in it. It's never gonna be that theatrical experience. First time I saw it was on Blu-ray. Oh my God, sir! And see, if ever there is a re-release near you. Do yourself nah, a I don't, I don't favor, do sir. I don't do oh those. God. It's just, it's great. I don't pay to see movies in theaters that have already come and gone. Fair enough. Charlize Theron. I don't know if I've ever Okay, okay. I'm almost done. Charlize Theron is Furiosa. Just instantly iconic performance. Tom Hardy just slips in perfectly. I, I know some like hardcore fans of the series were like, Oh, I don't know. He's not playing it the same way Mel played it. Blah blah blah. And I just, I none of that bothered me at all because just everything, everything about that movie just fires on all cylinders. Um, I I love it. Infinitely rewatchable. Uh, I go back to it at least like twice a year. It's just, it's just great. It's fantastic. Uh, and I it's got toe cutter in it again. It does have toe cutter. Yeah. Uh, as Immortan Joe, and I, you know. This this is like the Wait, first. What did you purchase. say his name was? Immortan e- Joe. Yeah, emo- yeah, yeah. I thought it was Immortal Joe for the no. longest time. Yeah, this would be the reason basically for me to upgrade to 4K at this point. It would be the first thing that I would buy on 4K if I were to do. Directed so. by Ezra Miller. Uh, what? <laughs> what about Ezra? I said directed. That, I said directed by Ezra oh, that's Miller. So funny. So funny. Directed by the <laughs> the great George Miller, who is like. The most badass, like, what, 78? How old is he? I have no idea. Let's, I'll look it up. He, I don't know. He's 70 plus. I know that. He's just, what a madman. I adore him. He is, 
he's, he's a real mad, mad George. Um, he uh, was born in 1945, which would put him at 74. Hell yeah. 74. So, George, yeah. if you're not already, go ahead and crank out the promised sequels to this movie. There's literally no way they could disappoint. Like, just Yeah, li- he's already on for Mad Max The Wasteland. Yes, literally just already, make uh, more of these. Give me that same that same energy. You could literally just you can do all the same gags again. I don't I don't re- I really don't care. I just want to go back to the wasteland, man. I love the world. I love the world that he's established up to this point. It's great. Give me more Furiosa. Give me more Max. Give me more of that world. That's my number four. It's Mad Max Fury Road from twenty. What happens if Babe crosses over into the Mad Max universe? Is that I think he'd do quite well for himself. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be a he's, nice meal. He's plucky. Uh, he's plucky. More importantly, I'd like to see James Cromwell in the Mad Max universe. Fair Maybe enough. as like the new helicopter guy. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Gyrocopter pilot, yeah, my, excuse me. Who is actually in number th- Fury Road as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. I think you are right. All right. Um, Where are we at? Number threes? Yeah, number threes. My number three. My number Hit three. 2011. Okay. Uh, my, um, uh, five friends go for a break at a remote cabin in the woods, uh, where they get more than they bargained for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. Um, do you have a guess at uh, what movie I'm talking about, Noah? Um, Evil Dead, the remake? It is Evil, um, two. Evil Dead 2. Um. That was a total, um, uh, that was a total Gavin delivery. I don't know if you caught that. Was it uh, Evil Dead? Yeah. Um, I liked Evil Dead. Anyways, that's not the Evil movie. Dead was Cabin phenomenal. In the what you're talking about, Cabin in the Woods, uh, from the uh, from yes. Drew Goddard. Who uh, yeah, did man. you did you have bad times on your list? I did not. I oh, liked okay. bad times. I couldn't times. remember if that snuck into the top, the top uh, twenty-one. No. I liked bad times. Had no problem with bad times. I really enjoyed yeah, ca- bad times. Cabin in the Woods, uh, especially for a movie that was long delayed, long talked about online, and sat on a shelf for a little while. Um, for it to finally come out and have the impact that it did, um, kind of unprecedented, I feel like. Normally, well, I, I remember normally when stuff that's been shelved for like two to three years finally comes out, it's because they're just like, we got to make something off of this. And this, I mean, oh my God. It's one of the most satisfying like genre benders of, of recent memory. But yeah, yeah. I just people. Um, I remember people being like, "Really, that's a good movie." And I'm like, "Trust me, you'll enjoy it. It's witty as hell." Well, because I think very smartly, well done. If you like Joss Whedon, like if you, I mean, I've been I, prior to up leading up to this, I was watching Buffy. So like corny creatures and things like right up my yeah. alley. Um, but then it was just witty as hell and has a really kick ass ending and a nice little cameo at the end. Um, and it's got our boy uh, from Get Out, uh, Bradley Whitford. It's also got Richard and, Jenkins. And I would want Richard Jenkins from The Shape of Water. They're both we, the, the two of we them need a prequel together with just the two of them. Like, yeah, just them just, find just like getting hired into those roles and like yes. running that program for fifteen years. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. But yeah, uh, my number three, Cabin in the Woods, absolutely love. fantastic choice. Uh, honorable mention for me. So, I I guess that's your. That's that's the horror movie of the decade for you. That is my or horror at least movie the horror the comedy of the decade for sure. Even yeah, though with Get, Get Out, it's pretty goddamn funny. But also even as terrifying as it is, too, man. There's yes. 
Hmm? Midsummer and Hereditary, both on my list as well. I mean, there's. It's been a good decade. There are for horror, horror movies, man. I think that is definitely yeah. a narrative uh, through both of our lists, for sure. Okay, my number three uh, segues quite nicely from Fury Road. It's from 2011. Uh, it's a little indie movie. You can probably guess it. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Bellflower. Yes, and I will spare everybody. We have talked, I feel, ad nauseum about Bellflower uh, over the course of many podcasts on the movie arc and still eagerly anticipate Chuck Hank and the San Diego Twins, the, the follow-up from Coat Wolf Productions. And I also anticipate Canary, which is the follow-up to Bellflower from director, writer, lead star, uh, mechanic, engineer, uh, sometimes cinematographer, etc., Evan Glodell, uh, the kind of central mastermind who is part of a collective known as Coat Wolf Films, uh, who made Bellflower. This was their first like kind of debut feature. Just a bunch of people who have been trying to make it in the industry for a while, finally deciding, like, hey, we're going to make something for ourselves. Uh, we're going to all kind of pull together our different resources, and we're going to get something made. And it made a pretty decent splash on the festival circuit. I don't feel like it kind of lit the world on fire. It's more of a word-of-mouth movie even to this day. Uh, I think partly because there still has yet to be a follow-up. And, like, again, this came out in 2011. Uh, so it's hard to be able to point to, like, hey, they have this new thing. Everybody should go back and check out, like, well, this is where it actually started. You can't really do that with them yet because nothing else has happened. So I, I've sung the movie's praises many a time. Uh, the lead characters are obsessed with uh, specifically the Road Warrior, uh, but kind of the Mad Max universe. That's why I mentioned the correlation. Uh, and while it has elements of a lot of different movies, it is very uniquely its own thing has a fantastically unique look to it and it you could in retrospect like it is it's essentially a mumblecore like apocalyptic epic uh but i didn't know that at the time because i really didn't know like mumblecore as a genre i guess it was kind of burgeoning so but call it whatever you want i just call it one of my favorite films of the decade it's one of the most unique things i've seen and just as I walked out of the theater, which I saw it with like three other people in the tiny little indie theater in Columbia, South Carolina, and it was a midnight screening, and it just it completely blew my mind. Uh, I think it's still streaming free on Amazon Prime and or possibly Netflix right now. So if you've never seen it, I suggest just kind of going in blind uh, or maybe watch the trailer because it's a pretty fantastic trailer. That's my number three. It's Bellflower. I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, and then I talked about it a lot. So I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, side note, as I'm going through IMDb, you know how they throw up those little, like, um, clickbait articles? Yes. They uh, One of the clickbait articles, as I'm as I'm cruising for my, my movies, um, says, The boy from Mrs. Doubtfire is nearly 40 in an absolute hunk. Um, duh, it's Matthew, it's Matthew fucking Lawrence. Lawrence. You can't just call him like, the boy. Like the, the boy from. Like, you mean you're talking about the boy from I don't know the famed Lawrence brothers? You or uh, whoever wrote that article? Lest I hate we that forget superhuman yeah. samurai cyber squad. <laughs> yeah, brotherly love. The show from nineteen. Dude, you know ninety five. You just the, took me back. Brotherly love, where they live in Philadelphia and work Delphia, in a mechanic yes. shop. They're brothers and they love each Is other. Professor and Keen in the city Bean, of a brotherly like their love. buddy, Keen Bean from Richie Rich, that actor. 
Michael something? Uh, from that, I don't know about that show, but you're also talking about a dude who was on Boy Meets World for literally like five years. Yes. The boy from Mrs. We're talking Doubtfire. about Jack, okay? If we're talking about anybody, <laughs> we're talking about Jack, the long-lost half-brother of Sean Hunter, okay? He was also in the hot Never, chick. How dare ever you? Never forget. Dude, who would have thought that Matthew Lawrence would get a mention on our best movies of the decade list? <laughs> yeah, just a little side note. Hope right, you're fine. listening. Uh, let's go back. Hope to, you're listening. Let's go. Shout out to you. Hope things are well. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. My, my number two. Uh, we already said it. Your number six, I think. Seven, whatever it might it, be. It was my number six. Just, just six, sing uh, its praises. Oh I think we God, can both agree so this is probably the best movie of the decade. It's for sure. I, I don't know that. Yeah, I think absolutely. everything else kind of, you know, eclipses it as a favorite of mine because it's not a fun movie. It is a heavy movie. It puts you through the ringer. But holy shit, is it worth it? And I do enjoy going back to it because there are. There are moments of like sheer joy in this movie, but there are some really low lows at the same time. What a, what an amazing experience, dude. Just literally like empathy incarnate in a movie. This is exactly what I want from certain kind of cinema. Yeah, this is it's the movie that makes you mad when you read the user reviews. Um, on like IMDb as you kind of go down and mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, waste of time, one out of ten. And this is where I'll get on my soapbox of no movie that looks like Moonlight, even if you hate the story, even if it is just a, a, a moving pictures with no yeah, words. Yeah, even if there was no script. For an hour and 45 minutes. Like, yeah. yeah, it is just from sheer look alone is uh, – hits a 7 out of 10. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. And then, <laughs> and then put on top of it, like, some of the best... Per- I mean, Mahershala Ali, total discovery for me, and I think most of the world in this movie, absolutely mind-blowing. Oh, God. Naomi Harris, who I'd always been a huge fan of, I, I still kind of feel like maybe she got chipped on her Oscar this year. Maybe that should have happened. Hard to give it to any of the different versions of, uh, of Chiron just because it's like which one do you pick they're all incredible in their own individual ways uh dude i just it, oh man it is it's another movie that you're like do i sit through that again do i do i because i've seen it two or three times at this point and then you're still at a moment where you're like all right do i it looks so good and it's so it's such a good movie but do i want to put myself through that again um oh man it's it's amazing beautiful movie Ugh. uh so yes. good my number two. Yes. My number two is from the Coen brothers. It's from 2013, and it's called Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, I'm going to be brief. We, will, oh, yes. we will just barrel towards wrapping this up because I'm getting texts from the girlfriend like, hey, you, you guys done? Are you are you done talking about movies? So, okay. Uh, Another data point, and is the Noah a good boyfriend? I adore. Checklist conversation. I adore this period of history when I heard they were making a movie about this time period, this location, uh, like early 60s Greenwich Village, like the the Bob Dylan becoming Bob Dylan era, essentially, and about a musician who oh, didn't make sure. it. I was already on board before I even saw a frame of the trailer. Uh, and then Oscar Isaacs, who I'd already, you know, coming off of Drive, I was like, who is this guy? I'm seeing him in a few other things here and there. 
and all of a sudden that's who they go with as a lead for their next movie absolutely blew me away still listen to the soundtrack sporadically uh it's gorgeous looking and it is just one of the most hauntingly elegant movies they've ever made uh it it's probably my number two favorite of theirs next to serious man from this period of time but serious man is in the is in the 20 uh, or in the 2000s it's 2009 if i'm not mistaken so i really wanted to have that on here and then realized it wasn't there and then i was like oh but wait lewin davis which uh, which i absolutely adore that's my number two you're also another Justin Timberlake movie. Yes, and an Adam Driver movie, and a John Goodman movie, and an F. Murray Abraham movie, and uh, ba, 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 ba. Carrie Mulligan. Mulligan. Thank you very much. I'll take a Mulligan on that one, and you can tell me your number <laughs> one <laughs> movie of the decade. My number one movie of the decade comes all the way back from 2010. How about that? How about that? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, it's about a, a, a young boy who must defeat his new girlfriend's seven evil exes in order to win her heart. I don't. It I is. Don't know how I didn't. <laughs> oh, I didn't see this coming. It is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Fantastic choice, sir. Yeah, because it's some because it's the best movie of the decade. Uh, it, it is fantastic, and, 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 you, and it is also... No one will convince me It otherwise. is also not on my list. It's an honorable mention. I love this movie. I rewatch it all the time, but I just was like... Honestly, I think I bumped it because I knew you'd have it on here, and it didn't occur to me that like he's saving it for number one. But Edgar Wright's your boy. I think he's your favorite living filmmaker. I think that's fair to say, right? I think we've learned today that it's either Edgar Wright, Ari Aster, or... Uh... Nicholas they're, Wendy they're all duking so. it out yeah somewhere <laughs> in all... the yeah in the theater for sure uh I mean yeah just go ahead go off tell me what you love about it I mean I don't know what you I mean I just the detail Edgar Wright puts in the films the amount of just sheer um the, uh, absolute travesty that it didn't get an editing nomination um, that it didn't really get it, any love uh, and anything it, it really didn't and then it's for me, it is. There's so much love and care that Edgar Wright puts into movies, and the details between like the sound effects that you hear, the foley that's going on, the way that they're shooting things, all the details that are left in the background. It's a watch that rewards every single rewatch, and it has aged um, incredibly well. And I think, oh, and it's yes, it absolutely yes, has. It, it absolutely just has. just a little ahead of its time, honestly. Like I. I think that's why it didn't succeed as well. I think this, I think, out three years I think later. Speed Racer, I think both of them, if they come out just a few years later, we're talking like everybody gets it all of a sudden. It, they're just a yeah. little, not quite there. Um, yeah. My number one, Scott fantastic Pilgrim versus choice. the world. Uh, my number one, also a movie that maybe didn't necessarily connect with people, but it certainly made quite an impression on me. I have raved endlessly about this movie ever since it came out. It was like... Oh, whoops, I think I already ruined it. Sorry. Oh, it, no, not at all. I mean, I'm fine with it, it being mentioned by name, and uh, people probably already know this because I say it all the time. It's it's The Lobster from 2015, directed by Mr. Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, I had seen Dogtooth, uh, and, I, and I really liked it, but I did not know what to expect from this movie when I sat down for it other than fantastic trailer. And it's got my boy Colin Farrell in it. That's all I really needed to know. And that's all I really feel like anybody needs to know uh, other than the great logline of it takes place in a world where you you have to have a significant other. And if you don't, they send you to a hotel where you have a certain period of time to find a, a soulmate, essentially. 
a partner, uh, otherwise you get turned into the animal of your choice. Uh, it is absurd. It is surreal. It is uh, terrifying. It's heartbreaking. So good. It's laugh out loud funny. It's dark as hell. Uh, it is twisted. It is gorgeous. It is a little bit of everything. And I, I meet, you know, five minutes into it, I'm like, I am in the hands of somebody who has a clear vision knows exactly what they are trying to accomplish with this, and you are either along for that ride or you are not. He is a completely unique filmmaker and one of my new favorite discoveries of the last handful of years. I Yeah, and, and for, for a guy who hasn't been on in my list at all, all three of his movies have been knockouts for yes, me. He, I don't know why I didn't is, put any of them on He the is list. instantly of that status of anything that he makes in the future is a day one, when can I get my hands on it kind of thing. He Correct. has a short film. Loved uh, the favorite. Loved yes, it. Yes, he has a short film currently that is playing festival circuits, and as soon as they announce how you can watch that at home, I will be doing so. Uh, that's what he's working on, or what he has already worked on recently, and he's got a new feature coming Give out. Give that man a 10-episode series. Yeah, he's got a new feature coming out next year, because he just, that's the other thing that kills me, is I'm like, this guy he's is worked. essentially, this is, this is Kubrick with like the extra work ethic, where it's like, how is he cranking out stuff of this caliber this quickly? I don't understand it. He has that mystique around him, but he's also, he's not obtuse. He will talk about his thoughts and themes and everything. He's not, he doesn't shy well away from like talking about the more technical aspects of filmmaking the way that like a Lynch or a Kubrick maybe did where they want you to bring whatever you're going to bring to it. He has no problem telling you how he feels about his movies, uh, but he just has a very unique vision and outlook on the world in general. Uh, I adore this movie. It, it's I, it will be interesting to see if it gets topped by anything that comes out for the rest of this year because I think there's maybe one or two movies that have the potential to. We'll see what happens. This was a blast. You want to shout out some honorable mentions real quick and then we will sign off because yeah, I yeah you get already the hit one of them. Of uh, Gre- Green Room was an honorable mention um, from 2015 for me. It was on your list. Begin again. The follow up to uh, Once. Um, Still have not seen. Need to catch that one. Um, 2013, and then uh, Mark Duplass, Safety Not Guaranteed, 2012. Yeah, pretty, pretty um, okay. um, but yeah, those those are my honorable mentions. All right, and the only ones that have not been mentioned that I had down here, uh, I saw The Devil, uh, fantastic oh, yeah. Korean horror one. movie, action movie hybrid, uh, Inception from Chris Nolan. Kind of surprised it didn't sneak on yours, but I, I know we both kind of maybe it hasn't aged as well as it did as it played in the year it came out. I think that's that's probably yes. a little bit of three hundred syndrome, right? Like, For sure. And I think For that sure. it was so heavy in the the pop culture scene of everyone saw Inception. Yeah, um, And it, it's it's so good. And I, I if I never see Inception again. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Me too. Yeah. Uh, the last movie I will mention, just because I, I, I feel like he's become another one of my cases, along with like Evan Glodell and Coat Wolf, of I just got to get more people to watch Joel Petrykas movies. Uh, Buzzard, in particular, almost made my list. Absolutely love this movie. Uh, again, another, I, I put it on the level of Bellflower, of those are two of the most unique and out-of-the-gate indie movies where I was just like, these people are bringing something to the table. This does not look like every single other indie movie of the last decade. It doesn't look like an imitation of anything. It is its own thing. Uh, so that's that's the last one I want to shout out. Go check out Buzzard. Uh, okay. We will have our full list posted on the website as well. And stay, stay tuned. I don't know when, what order we're airing all of these, but we are doing performances. We're also doing albums. Uh, this is fun. I, I enjoy doing it. And uh, anything you want to say to the people before we sign off? 
No, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, enjoyed being a part of it, and I look forward to uh, being invited back. Appreciate it. Until next time, I have been Noah. I have been Sunshine. And this has been The Movie Arc. Thanks for listening.